Welcome to Privateer Podcast, an educational and informational podcast brought to you by the folks at Privateer Rum. I'm Maggie Campbell, the president and head distiller at Privateer, and today I'm chatting with Dylan Turner um, about our New England Reserve rum that will be coming out at the very start of June. Enjoy! Hey, uh, Dylan, thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you made time during this wild time uh, to join me and talk a little bit about what in the world New England Reserve rum is. Uh, For people who might not know you, would you just give a little introduction into Mm -hmm. who you are and how you ended up at Privateer? Yeah, totally. No problem. Uh, yeah, so my name's Dylan, and I am the managing distiller at Privateer Rum. Um, I've been with the company uh, starting in the fall, so only a few months coming right up, uh, for five years. Uh, I started as the assistant distiller, and I've now worked my way up to managing distiller. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we talked a little bit on our last podcast about how you just kind of wanted to like make something and, mm-hmm. and be hands-on and, you know, your university was coming to an end and we mm-hmm. snatched you up mm-hmm. because uh, we knew you had a good respect for safety culture and we're excited to learn things. And it's really interesting because, you know, I've known you since you were 17 and the first time I ever met you, um, your brother had said that he was like, oh, I think he'll end up a chef because he just, he can really taste what's there. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. So yeah, here you totally. are, chef de cove, as they say in <laughs> wine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And we'll, I mean, I'll definitely talk about it more as we get into it, but that is, I would say my favorite part of the job period is uh, not only tasting, but blending specifically. I really enjoy trying to pull different barrels together to make something uh, that is, you know, very unique and not just, um, you know, uh, one thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this New England Reserve rum, you know, people often ask, how do we come up with a a product? It's such a, a long process, um, which like we're distillers, we have patience, right? Like we're, we're fine having an idea, growing that idea, getting feedback on that idea, adjusting, then working on it more and adjusting and working on it more. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, a couple things came together to bring us to a point where we started even having this idea, this vision kind of come to us. One of them, uh, was when you joined us, um, five years ago, uh, we had our really big Louisville, Kentucky Vendome pot still installed. And so five years ago when that got installed, our rum style changed to get a lot heavier. Um, And for people who aren't familiar, our first distillation um, is always done on this big heavy pot still. And then second distillation can either be done on a pot still um, or a short single column. um, And we can change the amount of plates. But uh, when we got that still in, 
it really changed because our first distillation had been happening in the pot of our Christian Carl still, and it just made a lighter style spirit. And so now that most of our stock in the warehouse is five years old or younger, save some very special reserve barrels, uh, the style of our rum really, what's in there is different now. And, um, and then about two years ago, we started changing our molasses over to this single origin, single estate molasses and 100% only using that molasses. So we know that the rum that's just going to start coming online, um, this fall. So just after the summer, um, we're going to start seeing it be this richer, deeper, toastier, earthier molasses style. Um, and so, yeah, I think that this has led us to this character where we're tasting these barrels. And, and I think you and I are kind of looking at each other saying like, this is different rum now. We're different distillers now, you know, talking to Andrew Cabot, the CEO and founder of Privateer, he really made the point that like the distilling team is, is really rooted here. Um, you know, our newest employee is going to have her two-year anniversary. So everyone on the distilling team is more confident, more comfortable, and really well-versed in making bigger, bolder styles of rum. And, and so I wanted to ask you, so for folks, that's sort of the background of what brought us to this moment. For you, what's like your take from your perspective of how this rum started to be like brought into the world? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess, uh, for me, I've had, um, I had a long running idea that kind of got put on the back burner for a lot of things, but basically I had an idea that at some point I really wanted to do something with blending. Um, we, we'd had the true American, but I wanted to do something that was kind of my own and something that would be unique and a little more, uh, in line with like my palate specifically. Um, I tend to gravitate towards more uh, used casts. New England Reserve uh, is not uh, as much used, but in general, uh, I really prefer the used casts. And that was my original idea uh, way back when, a couple of years ago, um, was to use like primarily just used oak. Um, we ended up going in uh, a slightly different direction um, with the New England Reserve, but that, I would say blending in general has always been something that I've always been very interested in and something that I've always wanted to create. Um, to have, have something that is not only a blend, but a coupe, uh, as well. And, you know, we ended up, uh, kind of coming to the same conclusion of, I think everybody was interested in that as well. It took, a, you know, as ideas often are, they start out one way and then over time through collaboration and other things, uh, you arrive at, you know, what is ultimately the, the, you know, what you hope is the best place I would, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we've really come out strong um, recently with a lot more awareness of privateer and who we are and, and people trying our rum a little bit farther and wider. And a lot of them first meet our rum in um, Navy Yard is a really common way for people to get introduced to us, which we're really proud of, or Queen Share, or part of our Distiller's Drawer series. And all of those are single cask. And I think those have really come to the forefront um, from my whiskey background. Uh, for folks who don't know, uh, 15 years ago, that was my start. I really love it. But I think that I really also want to celebrate that, you know, we're excellent 
blenders, like not to toot my own horn, but we have a lot of experience there, a lot of very technical training and, you know, from folks who've been willing to share from us, share with us from different traditions. And of course, my experience doing um, cognac style blending. So for folks who don't necessarily know what a coupe is or how the blending process works, will you sort of talk to them about um, you know, I, you and I always agree, like some casks are truly exceptional, exceptional, and you don't want to blend away that unique character, but then there's a lot of casks you can bring together, um, you know, whether it be, you know, um, these sort of micro blends that we sometimes do of just three or four casks for people for special occasions or, <laughs> something like this that, you know, we want to get into people's hands and out in the world or, you know, other rums we've made like True American. Would you just talk through like what that blending process looks like? Because I think the yeah. single cask people really get, but blending, whenever people come to visit us and we walk them through that, I always hear, mm -hmm. I had no idea you guys did all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, um, so when I start a blend, uh, depending on what I'm going for. But in this case, the way I started to blend was I looked at kind of starting with new oak. New oak is very good. It, it, it serves a role. It serves a purpose. It has very strong, very pronounced flavors. Uh, has a lot of body and it's very, it's very forward, right? You get a lot of flavor. Um, but uh, for me, you know, again, going back to the fact that I love used oak, the thing that I love about used oak is it's often very uh, textured. It's got a lot of really great kind of mouthfeel on the palate. It has a lot of really, a lot of interesting depth and used oak, it, 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 I don't know, it tends to be a little bit more complex to me. So when I start these blends, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at is I kind of come up with a loose, you know, I want this percentage of new oak, I want this percentage of that, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of break that down and I start pulling samples, I start tasting, I start mixing and matching, kind of creating, you know, what my vision is. Uh, at that point, when I've decided on, okay, I think this is what I want, this is what I like, I usually shop it around to the rest of the distilling team as kind of just a blind test, like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And get their feedback and see, you know, if they, they enjoy it. Um, you know, it's usually a resounding yes, not to toot my own horn, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's true so, it's very true because you never show us rightfully you show us the stuff yeah. you're really proud of and you are a good taster so of course of course yes <laughs> thank you uh but yeah so i i put that all together um and then once you know i get the the sign off uh we go ahead and we we start harvesting those casks we harvest them into one of our larger tanks uh, once we've harvested the casks that I've selected for the blend, we, we stir them up, stir that rum up. Uh, we, we drop the proof. Uh, we go into barrel at 110 proof. Uh, we typically, when uh, we're doing a coupe, we, we try to drop it down to 110. Um, so just drop it down, or excuse me, not 110, 100. Uh, so drop it down like 10 proof points, um, at which point we would then recask all of that rum that has now been married and had the proof drop. We recast that back into uh, very neutral, very used uh, casks that we have. So we, we rebarrel everything uh, and then we let it sit for another four to six months and we let that, uh, you know, mature and, and marry and rest um, before we end up harvesting one last time. And when we harvest on the last time, 
We harvest everything back in. Once again, we stir it all up. Proof it on down to, to uh, New England Reserve is going to be a 90 proof rum. So we proof it on down to 90 proof. Uh, and then at which point we bottle it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really great description of it. Um, and it's such a complex process. So I'm just going to recap it for uh, anyone who needs to hear it twice, which I know I did when I first started at Germain <laughs> Robin, um, which is a little different. The cognac method is different than this, but not wholly different. And actually the Cuban method isn't that wholly different either. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, we go through, so, so we start with like a vision, like how, what do we want this to be? So way before any of this, uh, Dylan and I'll sit down and say, what's a style of rum we're not making and what's a style of rum out there we wish we could buy that someone else isn't already making like really well and, and more affordably than we could. Cause if that's the reality, then like we don't need to make it, let's make what only we can make. And so we, uh, we kind of came up with this vision of, you know, a good amount of used oak character sort of uh, laced over with some nice richness from some new oak barrels, which, you know, is something very continental North American. You don't see that a lot in um, rum. You don't see it in rum from the Caribbean. Um, so it's something unique we can do to give that little bit of oak spice to it. Um, and then, you know, we start, as you said, tasting and finding, you know, this one has a really long finish and this one's got a really rich mid palate. And this one's got like a brightness to it that'll keep it really fresh well, I add this barrel, which is really toasty and dark and mature and like very back palate driven. And you go through and, you know, collect and taste and make little samples. And then you create a list of the barrels you want to marry. You pump all of those into one tank to mix them all together. You add a couple barrels of barrel aged water to bring the proof down. So as Dylan mentioned, we go into Entry proof into our barrels is usually very low compared to Caribbean rum. It's 110 proof. Um, and then we add, once we mix those barrels together in the tank many years later, we bring the proof down to about 100 proof by adding a few barrels of barrel aged water. And then, as you said, we take that mixture and we repump it into very, very, very old casks. And those are our coupe casks that our coupe, C-O-U-P-E, of rum is pumped into. And that allows the blend to marry and mix and mingle in cask. And meanwhile, each one of those casks kind of gets their own individual flavors as well. So it gets a lot more complexity. As you said, the complexity of old oak is so important. You know, in wine or in whiskey, in whiskey, we talk about like, oh, once a barrel's used, it's old oak and it has no flavor. Whereas in wine, you very much know and understand it never doesn't not have flavor. It's just different um, mm -hmm. and very mm -hmm. subtle. And, and, you know, we'll talk about our distiller's pale, I'm sure someday on one of these podcasts, <laughs> but that's like a very great expression of that really old mm -hmm. oak. Um, so that finishing in those really old oak coop casks um, is so important. And then, as you said, we pull those back together. We do the last final proofing and go right into bottle as usual. No filtering, no artificial color, no artificial age flavor, which can be called rancio, no artificial oak flavor, which can sometimes be called boise, and absolutely, of course, no sugar or flavoring. So it's just super simple ingredients, hopefully done well. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so for this one, you know, we definitely went for a richer, deeper, 
more powerful kind of style. Um, but also it's like something that's very important to, I think, especially both of us and, you know, the production team in particular and the company as a whole is that our rum is for everyone and it's very every day. It's not overly worked. It's not fussy. Um, I know we all have our own separate terms for this. Um, I kind of joke like, you know, I like a good tweezer food meal <laughs> when it's time. Uh, but like, you know, day to day, I, I want more like simple, hearty ingredients that are really nourishing and done well, um, like farmhouse style um, sort of family meal food. Uh, is kind of my vibe. I know Andrew kind of says like jokingly, no truck nuts. Uh, <laughs> and then Bob will say, you know, one of the things he said to me about this rum is a word he loves. He's like, it's just really juicy and it's really crushable. Um, but you still think about it like the next day, like it's not forgettable, it's approachable and accessible. And you just, you want to drink it. It's tasty, but it stays with you. Um, which I think we really, really wanted it to be. Um, you know, like a great steak with some, you know, farm fresh potatoes. <laughs> uh, that's just like perfect. You know, that's, that's all you need. Um, you don't need a bunch of stuff on it. So I think that for me, this rum really captures that. And um, this rum also really captures, I think that we know we have a community now. I think, you know, we really know a lot more about our customers and what they're excited about and what they've shared with us and how they enjoy our rum. And, you know, in combination with us being more confident distillers who've really started pushing ourselves more to, to add more flavor and be a little bit bolder. I think our fans have really, you know, they want to, they say we want something richer on the mid palate. We really like this. We really like that. Um, and so, you know, we're always co-creating, um, with the people around us and taking in what they say. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and it kind of, it kind of goes around, um, like my personal, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, influence sort of, um, how do I put this? Like Pete, for instance, very into mezcal. Mine, uh, my kind of distilling passion, I guess you could say is uh, Japanese whiskey. I've always really been into that. And there, uh, you know, I, I've never toured a Japanese distillery. So, you know, I'm just going off of what I've heard. But uh, from what I've read, they often refer to them as like uh, distilling museums where they have tons of different stills. They have tons of different oak. They have all these different uh, tools at their disposal so that they can, you know, adjust and tweak everything that they're doing. They have all, they, they, they kind of go at it from this angle of, well, if we have a large catalog, a lot of different things to select from, that will overall give us the most, you know, blending tools or single cask. It will give us the most overall tools to, to make what we're looking for. And that's something that I think is very, very fascinating and kind of has, I would say my philosophy on blending and distilling in general is uh, anytime Andrew comes to me and he's like, hey, I found, you know, blah, blah, blah type oak cask, uh, you know, French oak cask from this place. Do you, do you want it? And I'm like, Psh, sign me up, man. Cause you know, I want extra wood in there. I want different tools at the disposal to create these, these unique blends like this. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that sets us apart in some ways. Um, not so much anymore, uh, as I love to see so many places experimenting with different stuff. 
um, and not even experimenting, like returning to historically the culture of barrel exchange. But, you know, I had had so much experience at Germain Robin with, you know, different generations of casks, many different coopers of casks, many different, you know, each yeah, barrel yeah. is its very own, very distinct thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want all your barrels to taste really different, which like when I got my start in American whiskey, you kind of ferment and distill, you have kind of a classic process for the majority of what's ending up in your warehouse. You might have someone who experiments with different yeasts. You might have this, you might have that, but it's pretty rare. Whereas, you know, we have different yeast blends and we have different, you know, <laughs> fermentations and different distillations and different oaks. Like every barrel should be really different so that as you create a blend, you get this complexity and that complexity and that nuance and that subtlety and, and just the like, when you get like a really harmonious marriage of barrels, it is something that a single barrel alone can't do. Mm-hmm. A single barrel can do a lot to be this unique expression of completeness on its own, mm-hmm. but it's just a different thing. And I'm really excited that we're getting back to centering this, this art of blending in our, our distillery practice and, and how we are out in the world and, and sharing it. I don't know. Have you seen an image of the new label? Uh, I haven't, not yet. Okay. I'm going to text it to you (laughs) (laughs) while we talk. Uh, It's really beautiful. I'm very excited. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, it really just kind of captures that it it is very, when you'll, you'll see the label, I just sent it to you. It's very, it's really striking and very like simple and approachable and like clean, like, it's just fresh and bright and simple, but striking. And I feel like that really captures the, uh, the rum. I just saw it literally like two days ago. Andrew That's sent awesome. it to me. Yeah, it's I very really like that. him to be like, oh, I thoroughly designed all of the packaging. And it's beautiful, <laughs> by the way. Oh, yeah, here it is. I forgot to mention it. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> no big deal. He did that with Navy Yard, which, yep. of course, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I remember that showed up. I was like dang, what is this? This is ours? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a very, like, it's just a crisp white square label. It's got just double strike black ink. The paper quality is just gorgeous. Like, it's just beautiful paper, mm-hmm. which like, I know like Kate Perry gave us a little bit of a, like a lovingly hard time about our very high quality extreme post-it notes <laughs> at the distillery. Uh, I really love good paper. Um, and yeah, and it's just very plain text, you know, New England, and then very bold reserve rum, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Not a lot of frills, you know, and I, we get a lot of people who say, you know, oh, you should publish every detail on the label and da 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 da. And, you know, definitely there's probably absolutely a valid place for that discussion, but I kind of love looking at this bottle. It just feels like it's something that, that is just part of your kitchen. It's just part of your night. It's not, you know, you crack it open and you drink it. And that feels really good, um, I think, right now. Um, So for people who are listening to this later, it's the end of May. Um, We are still in the COVID pandemic. Things are a little squirrely uh, as we're trying to figure out what's next. And I think that there is a big culture shift and I mean it's always been there but it's really nice to see 
how much we're all just sort of appreciating like what we do have. Um, I think that there was a lot of like panic and crisis and fear, which is totally valid and natural. And now that we're sort of normalizing this kind of hodgepodge of people who have to work frontline and people who are working from home and people who have been through some stuff, I think that, you know, there is this everyday, very simple appreciation. And I, I feel like for me, like it really brings me back to this, like just simple things we really care about. And it makes me really happy that we're working on this project, like right now. Um, it feels like very personable and everyday people. And, you know, it, I would feel really detached if I was trying to work on something like very posh or, you know, super hyper collector boutique oriented, you know, mm -hmm. like it feels really good to be like, this is something you share um, with the people that you are quarantined with. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it feels, it feels nice to have something that's just sort of more, humble every day uh, that we're really excited about. Yeah, just appreciation centered and, you know, it's just, it's very let it be, very chill. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is exquisite. It is very, I'm very excited um, for, for y'all to get to taste it at some point. Uh, I am very, very proud of the way it turned out. Uh, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback from the early reviews, uh, AKA Maggie and Andrew. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I think it turned out fantastic. Yeah. And we do love people's feedback. I think, you know, it's funny as a distiller, like, I don't know if people are, I can't imagine they're shy or nervous. We try to be really like real speak up, speak out personable people, um, who can take our lumps, you know? Uh, but I really, I, I, sometimes people just look at you and kind of smile and nod and go, it's good. And you're like, no, you can, I'm asking you to tell me. Uh, so we, uh, we love good feedback. So I'm excited to see how people experience this. And, you know, typically when we release something, we open the door to the distillery and we welcome everyone in and we get to wash their face while they taste it, which is always very honest. Um, I was trying to think of a way we can get people to like, videotape their reaction tasting it for the first time because like that tells us mm -hmm. so much yeah, totally. <laughs> it's one of the most important practices for us as a distiller is at the release to sit across from people who are tasting it for the first time mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and I'm really sad we're not going to have that but I'm excited to see how we share that moving forward so I could definitely see a thing where once it's been out in the world a little bit we do like a online you know like, you know, when we used to do like album listening parties, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it'll be like a mm -hmm. bottle listening party uh, mm -hmm. where we just kind of have an online room and we can taste it and share cocktails and thoughts and feedback and what people think or something. But yeah, I think we'll do some fun stuff around it. Um, this, so this was created this last year. You have a huge hand in this rum. Um, you know, I think that my, the extent of my final cut on this was, this is perfect, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is something you should be really proud of um, for folks, you know, who don't see everything at the distillery. You've been training under me for, you know, half a decade now and tasting and tasting barrels. I think very early in you joining Privateer, it became very clear that 
our palettes were aligned and we communicated our palettes very similarly. So I snatched you up uh, <laughs> for barrel work. Um, and yeah, slowly, you know, I think it was a couple years ago, I was like, you pick, you pick the next Navy Yards and you bring <laughs> me samples and, and I'll approve them. But like, what do you think we should bottle? And of course you nailed it. Uh, <laughs> and I love how like, you're very like careful and serious and you bring it to me and like, like you're never just like, ah, oh, this is good enough. If anything, like you're very much like, I don't know, will that texture resolve if we leave it another two days? Like you're very, you're very <laughs> in it. You're very particular. You never go on autopilot, yeah, which yeah. is so important in this work. Right. We can talk a That's... little bit about, yeah, never going on autopilot, always improving. And that's our biggest, you know, leg up, right? Um, you know, we we can, you know, at least in my opinion, that is our our high, something that we can do that's very high touch, very specific, that uh, separates us, you know, um, and makes us such a unique brand is the the level of care and attention and detail that goes into everything. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know we have some incredible peers who do really beautiful work. Um, but I think one of the things, particularly as a really young distillery, um, so set apart from those people, just ourselves, um, it would just be so easy for, you know, us to get into the daily groove and be like, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. You create these heuristics, right? These mental shortcuts to save energies. Like, this is the way it's been. It's fine. And I think one of the things that Andrew um, forces upon slash brings to our culture is like you are always questioning, always evaluating. You are always asking yourself, like, is it is it better? Has it gotten better? I think that we're very aware that we never want to hear someone say, oh, privateer used to be really good, you know, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. the curse sometimes for newer brands or newer companies. And of course, like, you know, we're not exactly new. We're almost a decade old, but uh, that's new in the distilling world. <laughs> Right. And yeah. I think a lot of these long established, really beautiful distilleries, um, you know, like so many of our great peers, it's just, it's so ingrained. It's so natural. It's so every day. And for us, we really have to fight to keep that culture going and, and you know, be as good as they are every day with their right. decades of experience. <laughs> you know, we have to, we have to strive to, to try, um, to be where they're at because they're there. That's just where they operate. Mm -hmm. We, we got to be at our best just like they are every day as we operate. And as a new company, you know, there's so many distractions. I, I, we're, we're such a startup. I think people are like privateer is enormous. And, you know, we're, we are <laughs> small, independently held family owned business trying to make it happen. Um, yeah. And it would be so easy for us to get distracted or exhausted or tired or, oh, well, we got a good review, so therefore we are good. Um, and that constant, like, concern, you know, is it, are we keeping it good? Are we getting better? Is, like, that's really an important part of our culture. And, and mm -hmm. we live it, you know, we don't ever say we do some fancy hoity-toity thing and then not do it. And I think it's mm -hmm. so important in our work culture that everyone means what they say every day, day after day, so it never breeds this, yeah, well, but today, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, so as I mentioned for the last year, I have been on the road a lot and you've been doing a lot of sort of this barrel tasting and bringing barrels along. And, um, you know, when people come to select 
their own barrels. You'll often start putting together. Now you're bringing Kevin uh, into the process with you of tasting barrels and putting together a list of like where barrels kind of are, what styles they're in, what's ready to be sampled um, for people who are kind of requesting a specific style. And of course I oversee a lot of that stuff, but mm -hmm. you're really taking a lot on the reins there and you're doing a wonderful job. Um, did it feel like a lot of pressure when you were, basically I just sent you into the barrel room and said, <laughs> hey, you know that blend we've all been talking about? Like, yeah, give it a go. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I gotta be honest. I think like, uh, you know, I came in relatively green and, um, a lot of the science, a lot of the math that took me a long time and especially the patients that took me a long time to really wrap my head around and grasp the tasting and the blending. I don't know. I, I think it kind of alludes to like what you were talking about with the pea earlier, I don't know why that I just kind of took to it. Um, it was just one of those things where I started doing it and I was just like instantly clicked in my brain and I was like, Oh no, I totally get this. This tastes good with this. This tastes good with that. That should be on its own. You know, this needs a little bit more time. This one's ready. Like being able to, to pick those out and kind of decipher through all of that. I don't know. I just kind of, I think as a distiller just kind of picked up on it. And I remember very early on tasting with you specifically. Um, there was this moment where you were kind of just like tasting a blend with me and you were like, holy crap, he has the same notes as me. <laughs> like He's like, he's tasting exactly like I am. This is incredible. Yeah. I think Pete was at that table because I love what an unbridled taster he is. Mm -hmm. And I think it was you and me and Pete and uh, you would read off your note and it would be like the same as mine. Yeah. And Pete would read out his note, which would be like amazing and original mm -hmm. and like very insightful, but very different. Mm -hmm. um, it would capture the same elements, but with just very different language. Cause he's such a like mathematician, musician, uh, you know, mm -hmm. like astronaut living on earth, but somehow still <laughs> in his space suit, uh, like type person. <laughs> yep. Um, and then I would read my note and it would be like the same as yours. And we were all just looking at each other. Like, is this happening? Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was very excited when you brought me this. It was it was essentially like if I had made the blend exactly what I was going for. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited. Um, I was really happy. You brought me a couple versions, and I remember being like, I really am like leaning towards these two. Um, mm -hmm. And you and I just totally agreed. And and then you were like, I like this one. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it was very easy, um, which I love that. I love when stuff just clicks together because you work so hard for so long, right? Like the mm -hmm. amount okay. of days of sweat and greenheads and mosquitoes and snowstorms <laughs> that end up in this bottle is like disturbing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when it all just clicks together at the end and it just glides right into that bottle without, you know, mm -hmm. any frustration or fighting it in any way, it just comes together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I think this is a very, <clears throat> when, when uh, everyone gets to try it, I feel like they'll, they'll I think they're going to like it. And I think they're, it's just so, in my eyes, so indicative of privateer, right? It's this you know, older rum, it's, it's a, a wider array of casks and cast types and spirit types. It's, it's a lot of different elements being brought in 
And it, that's just so privateer, right? Like constantly uh, elevating, constantly innovating, constantly trying to move up and make stuff better. Uh, I think that this this product is exactly that in, in, in its essence. Yeah. And the oldest rum in the blend, I believe, is seven, if not eight years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's getting like I feel very grown up saying that. I'm like, guys, <laughs> I'm not like, ooh, it's two years old now. Uh, mm -hmm. which I very much remember in 2014 saying, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's older, it's richer, it's deeper. So I have a bottle of it. I'm going to crack it open. I wish I had like a sound effect button for the cork, but we'll see what we get. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> there, there we go. go. I got it. I got it. Uh, <laughs> I remember, so we switched to natural cork a few years ago for a number of reasons, quality related, um, you know, synthetic plastics. There's been some discussion about flavor scalping. I also just like that it's a much more natural process. There's a lot of myths out there about, you know, the environmental issues that were sort of propagated by competing closure companies. It's complicated, but I really like that it's 100% biodegradable. It captures CO2 it's recyclable um, and it's better for the flavor. It creates a better seal. Uh, the sort of synthetic corks, they don't seal as tight as a real cork. So it's gonna keep the flavor in the bottle better. So I had all these like very, very well-researched scientific reasons that came out of my master's of wine studies. Um, and I remember Andrew being like, I like the sound. It sounds really good when you pull the cork out. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're sold. All right. Natural cork. <laughs> done done. So yeah. So let me pour myself some. All right. Got just like a classic Glen Karen glass here. I love this color. It's like, I would say it's like a medium plus amber hue. It's got great viscosity to it. Um, it doesn't look like sometimes when they look like heavily and oily to me, that speaks of like, you know, has it had a lot of, you know, sugar or whatever added to it. This looks fresh and bright, but it's still really rich. Like it's painting the glass for sure with some really like gorgeous, um, just coating it really lovely, but it's still got energy to it, which makes me feel like it's not being it's not going to be slimy <laughs> i don't know if you've ever had some of those slimy rums but oh yeah <laughs> those glycerol rums it, it looks fresh it looks bright i love this um it has just a little subtle around the edge this hue that to me like you you learn all these weird tricks in the masters of wine about how to identify things ph by color and like to me it just hints at like this littlest bit of acidity there's just this little canary finch yellow it's just like a little bit more electric yellow towards the rim um that it just tells me it's going to taste like fresh and bright then the nose is really perfumed like the glass is easily i would say six eight inches from my face and i can smell it from here i feel like if i poured it left the room and came back the room would smell like it um it's got some like dried orange peel a lot of like really subtle and savory elements of like clove and cinnamon. So not candy sweet, but if you took the, the actual fresh plant material of cloves and cinnamon, the bark and the seeds, and you crushed it, 
like a very real, it's got black vanilla bean, not extract, which I really like. To me, that's a sign of that outdoor air seasoned oak. Um, but it's got that earthiness, that savory tobacco, that leathery quality, um, and also that like singed hazelnut, singed walnut kind of thing that I get from molasses. Like, I, I, I know I repeat this, but if you smell a glass of rum that has not been sweetened next to bourbon, the bourbon smells sweeter. Molasses smells earthy and, you know, it's a vegetable, it's grass. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, like this has that earthiness to it. And yeah, just that little bit of like a brulee macadamia nut, like brulee fresh coconut flesh. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> On the palate, oh, it does this thing where it like, it <laughs> hits your, oh, it's so good. It just keeps dropping. <laughs> it hits your palate and it's got this like, it's got this creaminess to the texture, this bright, you know, I want to say like lemon blossom, lime blossom, macadamia. Oh man, it just... It like total, my mouth is watering so much. I'm like having, I just have to keep swallowing. Uh, yeah, this like <coughs> almond blossom, like up, goes right up through my nose when I first taste it out, like out the back of my throat. I love it. Um, and then it's really nutty and like, you know, if you have like the leathery elements of a green fig um, and a dried golden raisin and singed hay and that custardiness um and yeah and then it's got like then it like so that's like the bright fresh first attack and then it like drops down a level into these really dark toasty flavors that are just like just want to like snuggle up in them mm -hmm. it's like uh it's like oh like a little bit of this is going to be such a i'm i know i'm saying this to a mainer as a non-mainer forgive me <laughs> but it's like birch wood smoke yeah, you know, when you burn a birch, it has that almost herbal sagebrush smokiness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's just got this like almond brittle, like brown butter, brown butter. That's what it is. Um, this brown buttered toastiness. Um, and yeah, like the dry parts of cinnamon, like mm -hmm. much more like a Ceylon cinnamon. Um, yeah, like earthy, earthy cinnamon flavors, not candy cinnamon flavors. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's also like a meatiness. Like, so then it drops down another level, which I think mm -hmm. you could hear in my reaction before. It drops down into a meatiness of like, like there's like a hint of like bacon smoke or like really, really long roasted like pork butt. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and then there's like, this kind of like, it pops back up again with like a lemon zest, like a dried lemon peel. or a, And then there's like this apiary, like when you open a fresh beehive and it's got like, like that warm honey smell, like mm -hmm. and then it takes you to like honey, honey, this warm honey and toasted almond kind of like finish. So I cannot believe you packed that much flavor, thing that's like 90 proof, right? You know, overproof Campbell over here <laughs> being like, this is under 100 proof. I don't know. 
Like I mm-hmm. would never guess. I, I would think that was a hundred proof easy. Like, and poor Dylan knows like what mm-hmm. a hydrometer my, my palate is. I'm like, this is 55% alcohol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Cause in the masters of wine, we have to be able to guess within like 0.5 uh, percent alcohol. So I just got really good at like perfectly trying to assess alcohol. So yeah. And, and the Oak is perfectly integrated. It's silky. Um, you know, I'm not getting a ton of like, this is Oak. Whereas like on our Navy yard, like part of that, part of that profile is the hardcore full throttle. This is Oak American Oak, and it is powerful over some powerful rum. And this is a powerful rum. This is much more subtle, um, a little more like elegant, um, very well integrated, very well knit. And I, it just shows like a whole new layer. And I'll say we've never made a rum like this before, um, which is what to me is really important. You know, skew plur- proliferation for people who don't know, like in the industry, when you just make a million brands out of the same product, that is something I'm very, have always been very cautious of. I saw it a lot around, you know, I won't get into it, but I've seen it a lot (laughs) (laughs) and we've really tried to avoid it um, and not have a bunch of releases that taste the same. It's very important to me that by definition, they have their own house style and they sit inside their house. Um, And this one totally does. So (laughs) yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, It's going on pre-sale now. We're going to do curbside pickup. Um, the labels are in the mail. I have seen the test labels, like the one I just sent you. I'll post it, um, on Instagram when I post this podcast. Uh, but yeah, do you have any like final thoughts you want to leave with people? Um, how you feel like you're going to drink this when you get a bottle home with you? Uh, well, I will be, uh, doing a rum Manhattan. Uh, that'll be my first, uh, first stop, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm very excited for everyone to try it. I think this is very, I think it's very privateer. I also think it's very uh, in tune with specifically like, uh, my, my, uh, preferences when it comes to a rum. Uh, I really, all of the complexity and, and deep layered flavors, uh, all of the integration, everything that Maggie kind of outlined there in her tasting, is exactly what I was going for with this. Um, and I'm very, very happy with the way it turned out. Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait to take home a bottle and, uh, you know, make some stirred cocktails here at the house. Right. Yeah. I definitely, Oh, I saw this, um, I guess the Porco lounge. Dan Watson has this banana syrup where you peel a banana, cover it with sugar, let it sit, <laughs> dig the banana out, uh, and then make a simple syrup out of the sugar. Uh, and I think using that in an old fashioned with this, Ooh, yeah, that's um, and I totally, you know, Bob calls it kind of like juicy and crushable. I totally mm-hmm. get that, that pineapple. There's like a really, like a whop, like a whack of dried pineapple in the mid palate. It's kind of mm-hmm. like if you were like chewing on a piece of like sun dried pineapple. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of warmth to it. It feels, I'm excited for this one. So couple of Japanese highballs yeah. too, right? Ooh, yes, right. It's nice and warm out. Yeah. Yeah, sit on the porch and just yeah. like crush them. Yeah, seriously. Mm, that Safely. actually that that, that I I uh, changed my original answer to that. 
Well, thank you so much for making the time, Dylan. I really appreciate no it. I know that you spent the morning proofing and harvesting and, and getting our tropical inspired gin ready. Um, Ooh, yeah. So I know that you were really busy. So thank you for making the time and yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon, especially yeah, with a uh, distiller's drawer coming up. Oh yeah. We got but, some bangers in there too. Oh, let me tell you. Oh my God. That rum glow. Ooh. That rum glow. <laughs> Very good. Killing this mama. Stay at work. Um, I actually, I turned the corner in my house very quickly the other day and I yelled out Tokyo Drift. <laughs> and it made me think of you. Dylan one day saw me turn a corner at the warehouse on the forklift and I just, for some reason, screamed out, Tokyo Drift! <laughs> and it has stuck forever. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, I can't wait to be back in the distillery with you soon. Stay yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, totally. take care. Yeah, you too, Max. Cheers, bye. Thank you for spending your time with us today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Dylan, and we've got more technical and detailed podcasts coming up for you. You can find us at Privateer Rum on Instagram and Privateer Rum on Facebook. My personal handle is at Half Pint Maggie on Instagram. Please join us next time. Cheers and thanks and stay safe.